G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, I founded the Amaranth Foundation back in 2009 and that came out of a need to have an organisation that responded to the psychological and the psychosocial needs of people who were living with a terminal illness as well as people who were experiencing grief and trauma. And I found the two were very much, very well linked. I've been working in rural communities for over 35 years as a nurse primarily and, um, and now as a mental health social worker and I've got my Masters of Social Work in Health Sciences look at palliative, looking at palliative care and also now doing my PhD looking at the competencies for social workers, particularly mental health social workers, working with people at the end of their lives. And so yes, in, uh, with the Amaranth Foundation at the moment, we've, our footprint is across the Riverina with an office in Corowa and one in Wagga with plans to expand out into Albury. It would be lovely and my dream is to have you know, offices or trained social workers who can provide you know, exceptional care for the dying across Australia. Okay, now can you tell us why palliative care is such an important topic, one that's very close to your heart, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but when we talk about end-of-life issues, we, we talk a, a bit about euthanasia, but we don't talk quite as much about palliative care. Why is it such an important topic to talk about? Daniel, palliative care is absolutely integral to talk about with people and I think unfortunately we often see palliative care as the care only provided by doctors and nurses or care in a hospice or care in the last three months of someone's lives or when they're imminently facing the decisions implicit in dying. The palliative care debate's got to be broadened out to deal with to work with people when they know that their diagnosis of an advanced chronic illness becomes terminal, where the focus of their care goes from curing to one of looking at what are the best options to give this person quality of life. I often hear the phrase in palliative care that we move from cure to care, but I don't think we really understand that that care goes beyond just really good pain management or symptom control, you know, looking at fatigue and breathlessness. But it really must, as an imperative in Australian society, look at the psychological factors, look at the depressive states, you know, look at people with an advanced, a pre-existing mental health issue that also get chronic diseases at a much greater rate than the rest of the population, and they've got significant psychological issues. So good palliative care must embrace not only just the physical manifestations of a person's illness, but also at people with depression and how the meaning that they've now got this terminal illness has on their life. And I think good palliative care must also embrace not only just psychological aspects, but also, you know, when we talk about meaning, we talk about existential issues and look at the, uh, the way a person makes sense of this new time of their lives. So I think palliative care has to have that broader debate and we need to be able to talk about it more frequently. Okay, so you're really coming, or you're especially coming from a, from a mental health point of view and, and, and trying, trying to emphasise the importance of good mental health for people at the, at the end of their lives. Absolutely. And look, and an interesting fact too, that over 50%, a lot of research has been done, done about major depression and um, sort of depressive states in people who have requested euthanasia. 
And what we've got on a lot of the Australian, uh, Norway and Canadian studies indicate that over 50% of people who request euthanasia have a significantly medically diagnosed depressive state. And I think that needs to be looked at not just from the fact of medicating people with um, antidepressants or, you know, other medications sort of to improve their mental you know, state from a clinical perspective, but actually talking to people about, you know, about their depression, about the meaning of this lived experience of this, you know, terminal illness. I don't believe we do that very well around Australia. Um, I think perhaps it's done extremely well in palliative care facilities and hospices. But outside of that, in the general population, where people live in their rural communities and, you know, in their homes with their general practitioner, that those conversations don't occur. In terms of improving this, what would you like to see in terms of government policy to address these issues? Look, I've got, um, we've actually recently spoke to uh, the Department of Health regarding this, so I'm glad you've asked that question. What I'd love to see is that psychological distress and diagnosable mental health issues are looked at, are screened and assessed very, very early in a person's disease story, their journey, so that when they're sitting down with their GP, they're talking to their practice nurse, having their blood pressure done and their symptom load looked at, pain medication looked at, but they're actually assessed for depression, despair. And, you know, that other issue that we, um, or another diagnosable condition we know called demoralisation, which is where someone feels that this part of their life has lost meaning. You know, what's the point of what's going on in my life? I would like to see this assessed at the GP clinic level. I'd like to see a shared care approach where somebody's physical symptoms and their psychological symptoms gain equal weight and that really good psychological treatments and measures are put in place very early for a person, but also not just the person, but their families and caregivers. And I think when we do that, and we do that well, and that we actually have that funded under government policy, a bit like what we've got the Better Access for Mental Health program and the ATAPS program, which looks for the mental health responses for that hard-to-reach population, that I think that then and only then will we get a distinct um, improvement in that psychological care of people. And we'll get into them early instead of just wondering about the psychological state and the normal grief reactions that people have as they're imminently focused on dying. We'll actually be able to work with people, you know, a year or two out so that effective therapeutic interventions can be done early and we can assess the effectiveness of them and change them if, you know, we've got time to do this then, Daniel, and I think that would make a difference. Okay, some very important issues you raised there. Thank you very much for your time today and all the best in what you're doing with your Amaranth Foundation. Thank you so much, Daniel, and I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. It's wonderful. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.